the highlight ace. Really, what he needs to do is leap up. All time, hit it slow. Takes a big high line drive down the line. You have entered our drive. Hi, hi. Hello and welcome to the Highline, our post-mid-year break special focusing on the Corona Open J-Bay. We'll have a quick chat about Gabriel Medina and Italo Ferreira in the final. Talk about our new world number one, Chloe Andino, and then we'll move on to the women's event. Have a quick chat about Carissa Moore and Lakey Peterson. Round up the QS, the first 10,000 beer in Bolito. David Silver taking the win there. We'll also go on about the monkey business in Padang Padang as the uh, Rip Curl Cup gets completed over there. We'll have a quick chat about the QS in Huntington coming up, the Olympics, and we'll look forward to Tahiti as well. Alrighty, welcome back to the Highline. We're back after our mid-year break. I've got a... Got Nick Clifford with us. Nick, how are you? Feeling fantastic. That's good. And and we got Luke, who's also back from his European soiree. How you doing? Also feeling fantastic. European vibes will do that. Definitely. Were you uh, scouting out any of the uh, upcoming legs for the, the tour, or were you uh, over there for personal reasons? I was over there for a, a food scavenge, just eating my way through Europe. That's the way to do it. And you, Nick? Yeah, I was... Over there for personal reasons. So we don't have a European correspondent we can we can go to for the next couple of events? Unfortunately not. I was on a different continent. Okay. All right. Well, we'll crack on then. So uh, we have had a bit of time off and we'll, we'll skip over Brazil because uh, as, uh, I mean, Parco and Slater have done over the years, we just took that out, that mid-year break and breezed right over it. So we'll jump straight into the Corona Open J-Bay, uh, an event which is usually one that you know always tends to provide some waves it's always one where you know you see a lot of really good surfing it's one of the uh probably more perfect waves on tour and it's one that always gets a a pretty deserving winner and this year that winner was gabriel medina over idolo ferreira in the final uh luke i mean what do you make of his performance over the event it was you know a lot of people have, have started comparing him to you know the terminator there are a couple of heats where he came from behind but i mean what did you make from his overall sort of event to be honest before the quarterfinals i can't remember what he did in the other heats in the early heats he obviously did enough to get through and there was so many other people surfing amazingly so yeah he knows when to bring it out i guess that's the gabby way that's it and I mean, a lot of people tend to draw parallels between, you know, how he tends to structure his year, you know, starting off pretty sleepy and, and, you know, really ramping up towards the end of the year. I felt like he kind of achieved that a little bit through this event, obviously reaching the peak in the final, like 19.5, you know, heat total is, is a, a huge heat total for any heat. And I mean, stepping up for the final is always pretty solid. I mean, Nick, I'd like, I'd be interested to, to hear your opinion on him, you know, throughout the event. Do you think he, he peaked at the right time or was he one of the stronger competitors throughout? I always think that he's like this in a, every event that he surfs, basically. He always starts really soft. You don't remember him until the quarters. And he's a bit like Slater, I guess, where he just keeps finding another level, another level, another level. And then by the final, he's peaking. And we saw that in this event. Like, both of them are ripping in the final, but... Gabby was going pretty next level on that end section. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not to take anything away from Italo at all. Like I I thought, especially after he had that first wave in the final, that it was, you know, he was looking like he was in the driver's seat. And, you know, you, you can't really say the door's ever shut on, on Gabby because it only takes him to, you know, get a few waves before he's well and truly back in the heat and in command. I mean, I heard a little bit of, of talk about, you know, the difference in scores, you know, between those two in the final. Luke, did you did you think that the Italo was comboed? You know, I mean, Gabby was obviously surfing amazing, and so was Italo. I felt like they should have maybe left the door open a little bit. Yeah, there's no way he was comboed. Italo's first wave, that nine, that was next level, and I thought Italo's flow on his wave was a lot better than Gabby's. Gabby's had a lot of downtime, and I thought Italo's end move on that closeout section was just as dynamic as Gabby's. Uh, Gabby probably went into his with a bit more speed, but in saying that, they were both critical. 
It's super hard to tell sometimes though from the computer screen. Italo's my favourite Brazilian, I'd say. But when Gabby's firing like that and he can smell blood in the water, he's always going to be so hard to beat. He was comboed. He probably shouldn't have been comboed, but Italo had a nine. Gabby had a high nine. Doesn't take much when you're talking in the nine section for it to be a combination score. Sort of sucked though that he couldn't chase him down with just one big wave. Yeah, exactly. I think the the correct winner came out of the heat for sure. It just would have been nice. I mean, if they're throwing those big scores down in the final, and we'll talk about the, the judging in a little bit, but if they're throwing down those bigger scores towards the final, then I feel like, you know, they, it, it seems like they do that to reach a climax. And if you're kind of reaching the climax of the event by someone getting comboed, then it kind of defeats the whole purpose of, you know, what it seems like they're trying to achieve. Mm. It shuts it down really quick. You don't really want to watch a 20-minute final when someone's comboed. It sort of takes the excitement out of it. You know they need two waves. What's the point in keeping on watching? Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, Italo, for me, throughout the event, was one of the more exciting surfers. Uh, just due to his approach, I think, to J-Bay, he seemed to, I think it kind of suits him, that fast down-the-line type of wave where, you know, you've got to keep moving. And, and like you said, Luke, his his flow in between his turns, especially in the final, was was pretty incredible because you do get those little flat sections and he always seems like he can kind of get around those sections and and always find an extra an extra part of the wave that a lot of people don't tend to find uh so i mean for for me he was probably one of the more standout surfers of the event was there anyone else that stuck out for you nick that that you would kind of throw in the mix that maybe didn't go as far Kanoa was getting a little bit overscored again i don't know about you boys i'm getting a little bit over those floaters to dramatic free fall to claim I don't really dig that but he was the other standout performer to me no one else was really ripping I was a bit disappointed with Wade Carmichael and same as Jack Freestone I thought he might have carried a bit of form through yeah Wade Carmichael totally butchered my fantasy team you expect Wade to be dominating out there like he did last year but he just didn't really get it going this year so it was pretty disappointing yeah I mean he went out in a, a tough heat to to see bass there and and one where i think he was maybe a little bit in unlucky in just the way that the scores were thrown in that part of the event um, but definitely one that you you wouldn't want to see go out that early i think he's a good pick for your fantasy team there luke but i mean that's the thing about fantasy you've always got those couple of guys that, that throw your whole rhythm out and going back to what you said nick i think the thing that really impressed me about uh kanoa was again just how sharp his boards are looking at the moment Sharp eyes. Yeah, that's that's not wrong. But uh, just always looks like he's, you know, he's stuck to the wave face and he's always gaining speed and just has that really dynamic approach. And he is good at mixing it up. Like you said, he, he does have those, you know, his impact moves are pretty predictable, those floaters. And, I mean, he's got those really nice big calves that throw plenty of water around. But I think just his ability to mix it up a little bit, especially on a longer wave, it, it's not lost on the judges. And I think that's how he's getting those bigger scores. And it's impressive to watch. His flow in between turns is so good too. He isn't double pumping or anything, which is sick. He just really links them together really nicely. 100%. He's absolutely ripping this year. Stepped it up to another level. The other guy I was thinking that was a little bit disappointing was Geordie Smith. Again, I reckon it was a board thing where he's getting a little bit confused all the time still i mean owen was ripping he's almost become an underdog this year no one's talking about him he's flaring out there definitely yeah i think geordie went out in a heat where he i mean i don't know if it's just because he has the expectation of it being his his home event and he's done well there in the past that i mean you do expect him to be doing really well but he kind of looked a little bit disinterested especially in, in that heat against Owen. Um, I don't know if Owen just kind of took the life out of him and and bought him into a heat loss, but it, um, he didn't look like he was kind of ever really in that heat. He made a couple of poor choices with priority and wave choice and, and you know, like we said, kind of had, you know, for, for still being up there in points, you know, 14.7 in the heat that he went out in, he, he still didn't really wow as he probably should. Maybe... He didn't take Owen seriously enough. Possibly, and I think that's like you said, if Owen's sort of being viewed as a bit of a dark horse in the events, then that's an effect you can have on people and you know strike when they're not expecting it. 100%. And the other guy that kind of gave the event winner 
the biggest window I've ever seen was Ryan Callanan losing priority to Gabby Medina. Um, it was a simple mistake, and it gave Gabby that one opportunity, and he could smell blood and dominated him on his last wave, got the score. And that was basically when Gabby started ripping. He stepped it up from that point on. That's it. I think that was that was that momentum that he needed to to take you know further in the event and i think that's really the turning point that got him the win any thoughts on that luke yeah i'd 100 percent agree with that gabby almost looked disinterested until that exact moment and then he saw a window wide open and jumped straight through it yeah i thought at the start of that heat arkow was gonna have it stitched up it was only like he it looked like he'd given up until he saw Callan and paddle fat wave mm. miss it and then he threw his arms up and it was like game on <laughs> game on that's it like i i think that's that difference between him and a lot of other surfers on tour at the moment he backs himself to be able to turn around those situations and you see a lot of other people if they've got their back against the wall they they can kind of shrug their shoulders and think okay well i mean i don't really have what it takes to get through this heat and there's always the next one but i don't think Gabby sees that too much as an option. Like it feels like those losses that he has earlier in the year really affect him, and it all kind of yeah. comes back and, and culminates in you know his performances later in the year, which is why he's so deadly. It's like he needs that fire to get him going, just to get pissed off enough to chase everybody down. Yeah, he, he can't surf calm. He just needs to be angry. Yeah, hundred percent. Who leaving Slater out of this conversation? Who do you think that? he kind of reminds you most of surfers throughout the year because I've tried to put my finger on it. I don't think there's really been anyone else like him other than Slater as far as that person who's just a pure competitor. Maybe Andy? Yeah, I was going to say Andy too. Because he, he surfs way better pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's that's a, a great comparison to make because I think that's that personality that the sport's kind of been missing for a while. And I mean, you might not see him as that kind of bad boy who's you know surfs better angry and obviously has all that talent but just that drive i think to to want to really win just every heat he surfs in is i mean it's it's kind of refreshing to see especially when you know you see so many surfers out there these days especially the free surfing scene that that tends to get covered a lot is that it's almost like trying isn't very cool and i think he's gone the opposite and and made it seem like that's you know who he wants to be is that guy who wears his heart on his sleeve and i mean it's impressive to to see that level of commitment and i think yeah like you guys said andy and and probably kelly are the only other two i can think of that have really shown that you know throughout their surfing the one thing i always like about gabby is when he comes in from a post-seed interview if he loses or he wins he's so fucking competitive he just wants blood but then he seems like the nicest guy ever if it was just a little you know free surf down the beach he seems like he'd be an absolute legend he's he's one of the only guys that doesn't come in from a post-seed interview and talk about the other guy the entire time and how good a bloke they are and how much they were surfing great and he's just stoked to beat him he's like i wanted blood there was blood and i'm glad i got the blood I mean, <laughs> do i have to remind you of what happened with him and the, the irish stallion glenn hall back a couple of years ago yeah but that's what you want to see it makes it exciting it's so much yeah better. hell yeah exactly i think yeah like we said it's he's the guy you kind of love to hate as well um i mean his surfing's obviously incredible. You can appreciate that, but yeah, just just the way he approaches things, I think is is pretty admirable. From that's exactly how you looked at Kelly and Andy too. They polarize people. He either loved them or hate hated them. And Gabby has that about him. Like who else can you say that about on the modern tour right now? I feel like it, but the modern tours finally got to a point where there's some good competition. Um, Kelly's kind of falling out at that back door, but you've got Gabby, Philippe, Italo. I mean, Kolohe's somehow num- world number one. He's stepping up. Like, everyone's finally coming to step up and, and sort of battling each other, and we're starting to see some rivalries between, you know, like Philippe and Gabby and, you know, Philippe, John, and those sort of guys, and it's, it's good to see this finally happening. It's I feel like it's been a bit of a sleepy few years between that big rivalry between Slater and Andy definitely yeah no would definitely agree with that and i i mean hopefully these guys can keep progressing that rivalry over the next few years and we see some really good title races somebody i think the event really missed this year would probably be john john florence Mm. um 
especially on those nice, clean, open J-Bay walls. Uh, obviously not surfing in, in this event, as, and as a result in the world title race, has been overtaken by none other than Kolohe and Dino, showing some super consistent form this year. Again, I think he's getting super... Like, he's getting so close to these event wins where I'm not sure if that will affect him you know, later on in the year where he's just put so much into chasing that event win that I'm not sure he'll be able to sustain it. But, I mean, what do you guys make of him being so high in the rankings? It's it's something that is almost unexpected a little bit towards the start of the year, but he's taking on the role pretty well. He's Yeah, he's going pretty epic, I reckon. He's stepping up right when he needs to. He'll throw down a massive punt on a crazy section if he has to. He's not holding back, and that's... So good to see. I reckon he's going to do a parko. Go no wins right until pipe and then close it out with the pipe win. I think this is something that you see when you're missing waves of consequence on a tour. Chopes is coming up. I saw Kolohe do some really nice turns at J-Bay. It was the first time I this year I've seen him fully looking free. The whole year to me he's looked a little bit 90%. I think that's why he didn't get the event win earlier in the year. I just don't see him as world number one material just yet. I think he's slowly stepping it up, but I would see other guys above him right now, and I don't think he can carry this form just yet into a world title. I think he's going to get overtaken for sure. I think the best thing that he's doing is surfing smart heats. He's not being reckless. He's not throwing airs on stupid sections when, when he doesn't have to. He's being pretty calculated, and I think that is why he's in the number one spot at the moment. That would be the biggest improvement that I've seen from him. But you can tell he wants to get to that Philippe level. Like he feels like he's being left out of that conversation and that he has something to prove. So you are seeing him step it up. But yeah, I, in terms of getting crazy flow or insane turns like Felipe he's working on it he's not there yet but yeah surfing smart heats is how he's getting there right now interesting that he rode a DHD too I I didn't think he looked any better on the DH than he has on Mayhem's but he's a Mayhem through and through type of boy so like you were saying Winnie I mean if you're doing that mid-year means you're really taking it seriously and you're exploring every option which i thought was pretty cool and i thought it was cool that he wrote it in the heat and he wasn't afraid to sort of say yeah i'm i'm open to anything to win a world title basically yeah i think that's that kind of just speaks to how confident he is with his surfing at the moment and i think you could say the same thing about other guys who are you know in really in form at the moment like kanoa is they just look so confident and sure of their surfing that you could almost put him in most conditions on you know any board of their choice and I think they're still going to be able to perform just because they know that they should kind of be there or thereabouts um, as far as the rankings go and I think I mean I don't know how you sustain that over the course of 12 events I think having so many guys that you wouldn't expect a little bit higher in the in the rankings this time of year is it's going to make for you know a great back half of the year because I mean we are basically halfway through the the year now so this is kind of when you start to see the world title race really form and and you got, get to see you know those stories start to play out a little bit. Moving on from that a little bit, I want to talk about the heat between Seabass and Wado. Uh, we said we'd come to this eventually and mainly for the same reason that we always tend to pick a heat and dissect it and it's the judging. Luke, you said you, you had a, a bit of a bone to pick with the judges. Uh, I'll let you go. Run with it. They're trying to hold back from giving high scores and then all of a sudden one gets dropped out of nowhere and you're like, why did that get an excellent score? And then all of a sudden the, the gates are open. It seemed like they were trying to script certain heats. What did you guys think? So that, that heat in particular, the one between Wade and Seabass, was I remember you, you actually messaged me at the start of the heat and said, probably the best heat of the events getting underway oh, after they rode right. the first couple of waves and yeah. they exchanged a couple mid five sixes and and at that point in the day it had, everyone had kind of really struggled to get over that six range uh, there were a lot of heats being won in the sort of you know 10 to 13 point range and then all of a sudden Seabass rides away really really well 
and he gets thrown a nine. And when somebody gets thrown a nine, when it's so hard to get above a six, it basically just means you, you stand no chance in that heat. You know, if you're trying to achieve an eight or, or anything mm-hmm. above that, you're going to struggle because the bar's just been set so high. And I mean, it's just a strange way I think of scaling it. Um, it'd be interesting to know the judges' thoughts on on why they can score that wave of sea bass is so much higher in that so high up into that excellent range but it's kind of like they forgot that there was seven and eight point rides out there as like the scale was thrown out a bit nick did you see that heat and kind of feel the same way about it or were you um i mean did you agree with the judges at all i just think sometimes early in the event they like you were just saying they get stuck on those five sixes no one can get above a big score and then someone like seabass gets a nine and you think, right, well, it's going to start raining nines now. And then it goes back to fives and sixes. And, and there's just not that three-point gap in the surfing, to, to my perspective. No. I, I just think they need to throw big numbers early, not be afraid to throw big numbers early and scale it each heat. You know, if someone's ripping, drop a seven or an eight. If someone absolutely goes berserk and it's round two, drop a ten. I, I think they're too scared to drop... Um, big scores early and then it gets to the final and it's just like three big turns on a set and they were crazy turns from Medina and it's 987 shuts the heat down you know you just sort of lose the excitement when it they just throw those big scores and you know it's going to get thrown a big score but it kind of just spoils it it scripts it like they want it I guess Mm. yeah that's exactly what I felt and they just went from five and six straight to nine definitely wasn't that big a gap Wade and Seabass were having kind of a good blow for blow right at the start of that heat. Wade came out looking pretty spicy and then Seabass replied with a equally spicy wave and then all of a sudden a nine gets dropped out of nowhere. It shuts it down really quick and it just if there's 20 minutes to go, Seabass gets the nine and then Wade goes for a reply, does a couple of big turns and they give it another six you just think you might as well turn it off there's no there's no point watching it he's disheartened we actually saw that with the malia manuel courtney conalog final at bells i remember seeing that where courtney got that big set blew up great wave got a 10 and malia just sat there for 20 minutes just thinking what just happened yeah how, it, how do i come back from this yeah it definitely takes that that shine off what could have been a, a really really good heat like luke messaging me at the start of that heat saying we've got possibly the best heat of the event on our hands just based on the first couple of waves but it kind of really helps it i mean it makes it end in a you know a huge anti-climax and that's not what you want to see especially when they give the you know these surfers so much of a chance to to create a good score with these overlapping heats and it seemed like they gave them all the opportunity but didn't reward it all it just seemed like they they got stuck in a really weird sort of range of where they wanted to score everything but i mean I don't know if you guys had anything else to add on on the judging because we seem to to come to it quite a lot and it's always it's always going to be an issue that kind of it, it, you're going to take either side of it or i mean that's the problem with a subjective sport is that not everybody is going to agree you know on a scale from one to ten that's and the best bit about surfing though not everyone's going to agree and i think i mean i would never ever want to be a judge it sounds like the hardest job in the world and everyone hates you for doing it i just wish we could see some consistency this year i think it's just been all over the shop and it's been like that a little bit too frequently definitely so i'm sure we'll come back to the judging you know in the future um one little thing i just wanted to add on the end of that and the judging was uh something that they mentioned in the final that i mean one judge had medina down for a pair of tens and i don't know how you can justify you know the perfect heat there on on two waves and that's just one judge and and that's why they have the averages but you know, i think they still have a bit of work to do there i think that they've started moving in the right direction just in what they've chosen to score throughout the year but i think there's still room to kind of fix it um i mean especially out of wave like j bay where it is so perfect and that's what i wanted to get onto now is j bay is a wave we got to see some some nice like a, a bit of swell for it and we got to see obviously some really good surfing but clean conditions what i wanted to ask you guys is if we went to a model where surfing had four grand slams say like in golf or tennis 
would JB be one of your Grand Slams? 100%. I reckon it allows good surfing and the benefit of JB, it allows good surfing for both men and women. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of the top four. It's better than Snap at a watch, I reckon. Definitely. Luke? Oh, hands down. It's probably the event of the year. It's always consistent when with waves and can't really say there is many other many other events that are like it. Now they've taken cloud break away, yeah. I think it probably does become event of the year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Okay, in that case, what would be your other three majors? I'm thinking we got to put pipe in there. 100%. Yeah. Pipe and chopes. Chopes. So I, mean, I reckon got... chopes is a bit boring. It's just the barrel. I'd, I'd rather go back to cloud break because you get that crazy barrel and then makes them come out and do a few turns. Sort of get the combo of both. I agree that they're yeah. not on tour anymore. <laughs> Bring it back. Bring it back, yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go with, I mean, do you still want to throw chopes in there? I'd probably rather go to like bells or, or something like that, to be honest. I think bells for the pedigree would, would be another one of my picks. Any others to add there, Luke? The pool. <laughs> Hands down, that's not being a grand slam. Um, yeah, no, I think you boys covered it. Bring back cloud break. I think if we brought back cloud break and brought back trestles, we'd be we'd be set. It'd be a different story, but um, do you, do you say so? Where do we go? Do we go bells, J Bay, pipe, pipe? Do you bring back maybe like do you keep it at barley? Do you go Corona? That's on the tour currently because we can't have the two favorite events that aren't on tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i think you're right i think we'd have to say barley for for a wave that you know is nice clean a barrel and high performance it's kind of like a wave pool but a bit different a little bit i'm a natural footer but i want to see more laughs i want to see the goofy footers get more high performance laughs yeah that's what's shit about taking fiji away it was the best left and it was one of the only laughs and it actually allowed goofy footers to go to town uh, we can keep dreaming about this. Maybe they'll put them back on tour eventually and we'll we'll be able to pitch our grand slams. But uh, Shout out Fijian government. <laughs> Now's the time. Ching. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to the women's event. Good thing about the women's event, like you said, Nick, is they, they got plenty of opportunities to surf some really good waves. Uh, we had Carissa Moore taking the win over Lakey Peterson. Uh, what'd you make of the final? I, I thought it was, uh, you know, pretty good viewing it was a nice even contest and i think the deserving winner came out on top what do you think 100 percent. it was a good i mean we've talked about this before it's nice when chicks have a good tussle like they seem to always have dog fight sort of battles and i really like watching that about the girls it always seems pretty close there's never too many heats that someone gets completely blown away but that final was was awesome i reckon it was good surfing from both parties yeah luke yeah they were the two girls weren't they but did Carissa look a little disinterested at the start? Does she have a bit of the Gabby mentality where she's got to hunt people down from the back? I think so, yeah. And again, this might just be the way to approach a year. I mean, you, you think of, you know, there's a lot of other sports, especially endurance sports, where it's about not peaking early and, and fading out. It's about, you know, picking your time to strike. And, and I think that the best athletes are going to know how to manage that. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it seems to always be the way that it happens unless somebody's just 100% dominant all year, which, I mean, the good thing about the women's this year is that the lead and the yellow jersey has changed hands so many times. And I think that's going to make for a really exciting back half of the year. But it would just be interesting to see who peaks when. I think the the people that are really consistent, like your Gabbies and sometimes your Carissas, are, are the people that, don't over-froth every heat. Like, they don't waste all their energy just frothing out, catching a million waves. They keep it calm, keep it calculated. And I think Lakey Peterson is someone that's sort of learning that at the moment. I think at Bells, she got a bit too excited, got carried away, lost a lot of energy and couldn't keep sort of that momentum rolling. But she looks super deadly. She's my favorite chick on tour at the moment. She's really stepped it up. I think if she can just get a couple good results, she's really going to go for a couple of world titles yeah that's probably a good call and i think that the thing that gets her there and gets her over the line is she looks hungry she always looks like she wants to win the heat mm. i mean mm. her surfing is obviously there she's you know 
always throwing down some massive heat totals and and always looks like she can you know put a big heat together when she needs to but i think the main thing is just she has that hunger and that that pedigree where i think what she might lack ever so slightly to say carissa and steph in in you know style and and maybe a touch of talent she definitely makes up for in wanting to be there and Mm. and wanting to win luke what do you what do you make of that are you seeing her push on to you know perhaps win a couple of titles like nick thinks yeah kind of got a bit of the kolohe fever going on where just stabbing up really proving they want to be there and match it with the big dogs she's looking pretty sharp it's almost like that second place last year sort of made her reassess she might have thought it was a bit too easy and then saw how easily it was taken away and now she's thinking okay i've got to train harder i've got to you know surf harder surf smarter i think that's sort of showing to me this year she's in still within a shot like everyone's within a shot but uh, to me she's still in there i might put her as my pick okay and that's despite her not winning the event as well so i mean carissa taking the win there we we talked about her maybe not looking interested but overall i think her surfing really suits the wave uh especially when she does get that nice open face and despite having a couple of sleepier heats um a little bit earlier in the event like you said looking maybe a little bit disinterested i think she she kind of made it count when she needed to and that was that was in the final and and that was you know taking down another bigger name in the semi which is caroline marks who, who got through a bunch of heats caroline in a wave like this is one where you would expect her to be doing well it's it's going to suit her and a lot of that is the comparison to oki who was actually the last goofy footer before um gabby medina to to win the men's side of the event so i mean she's got what it takes in style and you know potential to to go that far and she still made the the semis and i think that was the the hardest hurdle that that carissa had to overcome has a goofy footed woman ever won Nick, you're the stats guy. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get my assistant to check those stats. Yeah. We'll be back with that. <laughs> um, another. No, Steph's the only person to win J Bay for the last, as long as I can remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, someone else that looked really, really strong throughout the event, another person made the semis was Malia Manuel. Um, she, again, tends to suit you know this type of wave and she's the type of person that she surfs smart heats when she can put her surfing together and be on the right wave she's going to be getting those big scores and and progressing through you know past a lot of people she um she took down sally the world number one at the time i see this as a bit of a chance missed for sally look i mean i i liked where she was going as far as kind of wearing the yellow weddy and and acting like the champ but didn't really work out for her in her result but i think it's just that different attitude i think she's taken which might might kind of prove the difference towards the end of the year or at least you know trying something other than getting another runner-up hopefully will prove for for sal what do you think yeah she's got a definite calmness about her and kind of just cruising and just being really grateful for her opportunities and i think that's a scary kind of mentality to have for your rivals she's looking really comfortable and i I don't think it that loss is gonna rattle her as you've seen her lose in the past and she gets real rattled she looks really comfortable and she's just gonna come back stronger and fiercer next event i would probably give her a good pick for the pool coming up pool do you think she's gonna keep wearing the yellow wetty no <laughs> she'll get a red one <laughs> poor sally poor poor sally she hasn't lost yet it's just heartbreaking to watch her <laughs> no, no, come think... on sal i hope she gets over the line this year she's she's surfing better than ever her boards look dialed i love the intensity she's bringing she's still got a good shot and i think if she sort of screws her head on right like when he was saying and the wave pool suits her. She's small and she can fit in that pocket and go to town. Hopefully she gets on a roll these last couple of events. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So she's down into second on the rankings now. Carissa moving up into first. Um, no other real big movers on, on the women's side of thing. Coco Ho moving down a bunch of positions due to injury. Um, but, I mean, moving on to 
the men's leaderboard. Like we've already talked about, Kolohe up in first, and then we've got Philippe, and then John John down two places due to due to being uh, injured and out for the rest of the year. Uh, other notable people in the top ten that have moved: Geordie's down two places, Julian's down another place. The name that that really kind of excites me in that top ten. Uh, other than Kelly Slater sitting in eighth place, uh, would be Ryan Callanan. Stoked to see him up that high, especially midway through the year. I hope that takes a bit of the pressure off him, you know, in that requalification question. I think he's always been better than that, but I hope that means he can kind of open up and, and start really showing the Ryan that you see in all his clips, and that's what everyone wants to see, right? Yeah, 100%. Our Cal's a weapon. We saw that finally in... France last year but this year hopefully he's got enough points now I think for qualification where he's really really close so hopefully he just 20,000 yeah frees up and goes to town he's got the ten, he's got the talent he just needs to put it down and I think it's really good to see someone like a proper Aussie battler back up there I think the back half of the season really suits him too so it'll be beach breaks yep beaches and chirps as well he'll swing under a good chirps bomb. Definitely. Other notable movers are on a little bit further down the rankings, but you've got Ace Bucken, who's actually been, you know, a bit of a quiet assassin after a really slow start to the year. He's um he's moved up five places into twenty first. So I mean a really slow start by Ace's standards, but he took some pretty solid heat wins in J Bay and he's slowly getting back on track, obviously after coming back from the, the knee injury earlier in the year. It's kinda of good to see him getting back there. Other people, Seabass has moved up six spots just into 23rd, so one spot below the cutoff. But uh, the other main mover is actually someone that's gone backwards, and that's Jesse Mendez after uh, his second 33rd of the year. I've started to really like that that round where you can come dead last in the event. <laughs> I think it's, it's brutal, but I think that's the, the best way to kind of separate. Nobody wants to come dead last, and... And that's not saying anything about Jesse and, and how he surfs, but if that can you know affect you so much as to drop six places, I mean, that's taking him from the cutoff zone down to 27th. So We've always talked about forcing the guys to not surf safe in those early rounds, and I think when there's the chance of basically no points and a, you know, the stigma of coming dead last in an event, it's sort of made everyone step up. Yeah, I feel sorry for Jesse there, but... Someone's got to do it, and if you're not surfing on point, it's going to be you. Yep. I totally agree with that. He looks really sharp in free surfs and on QS events, and then on the CT, he just doesn't look like he should be there. Almost like another freestone. Yeah, yep. Yeah, there's certain guys like that, isn't there? Like, freestone just, he comes second in Bolito, can't really string a heat together on the CT, it's Really hard to watch sometimes. How good was Freestone's first round heat? What round was that where he did that alley-oop? He was looking really sharp and I was like, hold on a minute, he could click in here and then can't even remember what he did in the next heat after that. Yeah, that was his first round heat where he's looking solid and then it was, yeah, the heat right after. So he ended ended the day with another 17th, leaving his total on five 17th places and one ninth. Is there anyone that you're seeing below that cut line uh, Nico, that you think you're starting to worry for? I mean, we're halfway through the season now. Is there anyone where you're starting to think of it as being a really uphill battle for them? Well, I think anyone lower than Seabass now is going to be in an uphill battle. Um, Griffin Colapinto, Ezekiel Lau, actually anyone below Joanne Duru, they've all got less than 10,000 points. And I think if you don't have 10,000 points by now, it's going to be a really hard battle to get to get up there. But my number one concern, I mean, Griffin Colapinto had the hype last year, had a great result at Snapper, but I think he's really struggling this year, and I think he's really going to struggle to requalify. Do you boys agree with that? Yeah. I think he needs a bit of the Andy Irons syndrome, fall off to a free, come back, fired up. I don't know what's going on with him at the moment. He just has not looked like himself. Like last year, he was all guns blazing, and this year, failed to get out of the gates. I reckon it's these guys getting on really young. Like, we mm. saw this with Ethan Ewing, where absolutely 
blitz in the field and then they have that one good result in a 10,000 or, you know, a couple of good results. It's almost a fluke before they know it, they're on tour and it's just like a ton of bricks get dropped on their back and they can't sort of shake that curse. And then one bad result leads into six bad results. And then these guys are really struggling for requalification and it knocks their confidence around a bit. Almost need to do like a Taj Burrow where you, if you're under, you know, almost 20 now, <laughs> unless you're Gabby, but you know, if you're at that really young age, you need to skip a year and just come back stronger. I think the, I mean, current world number one is probably a good example to say that might not be the best idea. Kolohe, when he when he qualified very young, he's been on tour for eight years now, I think. He spent most of that time, though, requalifying through the QS. Exactly. And I think just being able to stick it out and, and I mean, especially once you spend a couple of years on tour, you probably don't want to lose that. And once you see what it's all about, you, you know, you've put on all that, all that hard work and you've, you know, you've gotten to the dance and then you don't want that to slip away from you. And I think that's one thing that, I think at least Kolohe's figured out that you can still, you've got time to work it out. Mm. It's not something you have to work out in your first couple of seasons. It's make or break. Like he's had time. And I mean, he's only just reaching, you know, the, the top of the sport now. And time will tell if that'll pay off for him and he'll go on and win world titles or, or if he'll just end up this year's an exception perhaps. Mm. But I think, yeah, there's, there's two ways of looking at it. The first one is maybe taking a, a year or a bit of time off is a good thing, but requalifying for the tour is brutal like there's so many guys that have dropped off over the last couple of years that you would have expected to bounce straight back up and mm. and you don't see anything or hear anything from from them since i mean there's a name that popped up when you, you see the results from the padang padang cup and that's matt wilco dropping off season last year and this is the first i've actually heard of him yeah he can't string a heat together on the qs and, and maybe that's the problem there is griff's sort of thought shit how good's this and then now he's feeling all this pressure and now it's almost building into this big invisible bubble that he's like, shit, I can't go back to the QS. I, I can't keep doing that. There's still a few 10,000s left. Like we might see him bounce up the QS. He's actually doing pretty well on the QS right now. He's pretty much in a qualifying spot, but it's yeah, a bit of a shame to watch young guys like that just not find any, any results or any sort of form. I think it's just a confidence thing for him. If he gets a, a win on the QS... Or a really good result on the QS, it'll build his confidence. You can kind of see like he's just not surfing heats in the way that he should. He's kind of overthinking, and it's weird. The talent's all there. It, it just looks like he's struggling. Someone that you could talk about really briefly there is Jadson Andre. Yeah, um, he's sitting dead last in the on the CT and. Is he still first on the QS? Still first. So yeah. you think he's got no pressure. He's already qualified on the QS. He's got zero pressure, but he's coming dead last on the CT. Yeah. Why is that? I mean, I think that just proves the, you know, just the gap between the two tours is uh, there's certainly a way and and a type of surfer that suits the QS. And, mm. and I mean, that's how you've seen so many guys who are good at surfing your small waves. Uh, get on tour in, in recent years and I think the reason that you probably see a bit more turnover on tour nowadays is those guys jump on and then get found out and then they're kind of back to the QS grind but like I said Jadson's probably a weird exception because he's had some good years on tour over the years and, and had some some you know really good results mm. in his career and it's not like it's a foreign environment to him but to see a guy who's number one on the world qualifying series but can't fifth on the tour yeah it's it's a bizarre thing to actually see in the rankings and i think it's probably just an exception but we'll go on and have a, a quick chat about the qs now but it does turn out to be you know a bit of a different game i think there's two styles of surfing and i think that's what <coughs> some people get a bit confused with the qs that four-man heat pretty much nearly all the way through to till the final sort of series and i think the wave quality how you surf a QS heat and how you sort of train and bulk up for a QS event is very different to a CT event. You know, you see guys, I mean, I remember seeing Connor O'Leary only because he lives around here, but when he was on the QS, he was sort of, you know, 75 kilos, light and wispy. And by the time he was on the CT, you know, three events in, he was almost 90 kilos. He 
bulked up tree trunks for legs and, yeah. and it just shows the difference in power and, and the wave quality that those guys are surfing. Yeah, I mean, you could almost compare it to boxing or UFC, jumping up weight yeah. classes. Yeah, it is. It's like jumping up weight class. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, talking about the uh, welterweights down here in the QS, <laughs> uh, we've just had our first 10,000 for the year, uh, the Bolito Pro. David Silva taking the win over Jack Freestone. Uh, good to see Jack getting the result. Would have loved to seen him, you know, translate that into a bit of a, a better event uh, at J Bay. I think he took the confidence into the first round. Yeah, we saw that for one round, <laughs> one heat, but but didn't really string it together. Bolito is always a, I think it's a surfer's favorite as far as an event to go and watch. It always looks like they get really good waves in and around the event. It was a bit slow for waves this year, you know, they in the heats. They rounds. had they had yeah. some some Early really good rounds. waves at the start. Uh, and then it dropped off a bit towards the final, but I think it's just one of those those events where you'll see a lot of good clips come out of the free surfing sessions, and you've always got a, a good couple of heats that are worth watching. And I mean, that's what the ten thousands are are about, or should be about, really, is good surfers and good waves. How much of a weapon is anyone basically that wins a ten thousand? You yeah. go through nine rounds and quarters, semis, and a final, and you have to win all that way through and the amount of conditions of days just the amount of factors that come into winning a 10,000 is it luck or is it skill to get that far I can hardly string together like four heats in board riders so I think I think it's probably a, a lot to do with skill and like we talked about with managing an entire year on the CT it's probably about just striking at the right time and I mean, out of so many surfers that get to surf in the 10,000, only one of them gets to win. Like, th- those odds are pretty gnarly, especially can, when we compare the two tours, and that's surfing against 140-plus surfers, whereas on the tour you're only surfing against 36. Yeah. So so many more variables on that QS. Like, everyone thinks the dream tour on the WSL, but the QS is such a grind. That That's a lot of heat and a, a lot of surfing just to get that win. I admire guys that are putting it on the line out there and, and ripping all the way through the event. Like we sort of heard about Carlos Muniz a few years ago, but I mean that guy was absolutely ripping in Bolito. He looked really sharp. I'm excited for him to qualify. That would be so sick. It's a full roller coaster with your confidence in ten thousands on the QS. You got so many heats to surf and you can see guys go through a couple of rounds with a bunch of confidence and then they, they wane and then somehow scrape through or they don't. And yeah, it just looks like a full mental battle out there. Definitely. And I think that speaks to the guys who have, you know, done it for a long time. Like that, that must be taxing doing that for years and years. And especially those guys that really perform, you know, only in those 10,000s. And that's the, the goal of those guys who are further up there in the rankings. They don't want to deal with those, you know, 1,000s and, and those smaller events, they, they're primed just to surf those 10,000s. And hmm. putting everything into a couple events per year must be must be pretty grueling. A lot of pressure, isn't there? And, I mean, if you don't get to the quarters, it was basically a waste of time. Like, you could have gone and got points elsewhere. Like, you, you need a result in those 10,000s. You, you need to make it in those late rounds, round nine or quarters, for it to be really counted as a qualification result yeah absolutely that's the beauty of the qs and that's why i think it's it adds that excitement over the year compared to the ct is there's so many guys and there's so many events and variables and i mean once you get down to the end of the year and we're talking about the qualification race on the on the qs i think that's where almost i get a bit more excitement in both tours from is you know who are we gonna see achieve their dreams and their goals of being able to reach a tour or you know who's who's going to go home heartbroken and know that they're going to have to go back and grind for another year, um, and I, I mean this is only the first ten thousand that's passed during the year. We've got the next one coming up over in Huntington, the Vans US Open, so they they start to really pile on and 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 everybody starts to I mean their schedules start to get really busy from from here on in. So let's have a look forward to what's coming next and and those events to come up. Uh, the, uh, the other specialty event that we've actually already talked about is the, the Rip Curl Padang Padang Cup that's uh, just finished over in, in Bali. Benji Brand taking the win. Is there a better guy in, in left barrels? Man, it's hard to beat. Clay Marzo, he was in the final, he came second. But uh, 
Jeez, he surfs so good in, in those sort of waves, doesn't he? Like, not the best surfer on the open face, but consequential waves. Gee, I, I went back just for a bit of a nostalgic look through his Instagrams this morning. A couple of those chokes bombs he was packing. Goodness me. Yeah. Weapon. <laughs> I mean, that the event over there at Penang Penang is, a, is an incredible one. It's one of those ones where you kind of... That's what the dream tour should be almost is, is events like that. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of comps like that, that, that run where you're like, I can't believe this isn't what the dream tour is about. Maybe it's just barley and maybe it's just that you don't want monkeys chewing through your cables every event. But I mean, <laughs> I think it would be good to see more events in waves like this. And, and that's when you start to, to get some pretty cool deserving champions like Benji. What I liked about it was, you know how they invite everyone. Yep. And they and they picked such a wide variety of guys, you know, guys like from Wilco, who's XCT, 19 and a half, sort of or 18 and a half wide boards to, you know, guys that are riding fishes sometimes like Mason Ho, who's got someone completely different. Yeah. I don't know how much you boys watch, but I, I watch Clay Marzo probably do the craziest forehand layback barrel into down carve coming out of it that I've was, ever seen in my life. That was baffling. I, I wish we got to see more of Clay Marzo. Oh, 100%. Let's see the WSL give him a wild card into Chopu. It could be really interesting or absolutely tragic. Who knows? And that's the thing that I like about Marzo. Like, you've you've seen some of the best surfing I think anybody could ever do from him, but you've also seen him needing a two-point ride in a comp and swimming around off his board just having a meltdown. Oh, I don't think you've ever seen anyone have a bigger meltdown in a heat than Clay Marzo. No way, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's good to see him pop up every now and then. You see him, you know, pop up in WA in the middle of winter wearing boardies sometimes. You see him over in Hawaii doing flips and other crazy stuff. He's that special kind of human, isn't he? Like any yeah. free surfing clip he puts out. You're going to watch it. Yeah, you're going to watch it and you're probably going to say, wow, 50 times in it just looking at what he does and thinking, how did you even come up with that sort of thing? Absolutely. Uh, Another surfer I wanted to bring attention to is uh, Nathan Florence. Does anybody have as good a life as all that dude, dude does at the moment? Okay, surfs big waves, gets to go to Padang, has an absolute smoking misses. Yeah, like, stab high, goes for an air comp. Yeah, <laughs> the, guy's, the guy's in the big wave world tour. He's living the dream right now. He's totally stepped out from his brother's shadow and he's just the biggest legend everybody is loving that guy his surfing's amazing too he's really stepped up charging massive waves and on the performance level too he's getting pretty exciting to watch but he's just his attitude to life what an absolute god and his laser fast haircut oh yeah <laughs> i saw him get it like extra fast for that padang event i think it helped nathan florence so hot right now <laughs> as rated by Highline Podcast. <laughs> um, let's move on. So let's uh, let's look towards the next couple of events that we've got coming up. The the next major one being um, the Vans US Open of Surfing in, in Huntington Beach. Obviously a pretty historic contest in some absolutely terrible waves. Um, it's one where it has the hype and it's one of those events where you see so many people on the beach. Uh, it's got the vibe of such a, a nice historic contest. What are we going to see over there, Nick? I think it's the, the shittest comp to watch on TV, but would be the best comp to be around and watch while you're there. Like you said, that vibe looks so good, but watching 100 of the best surfers in the world bunny hop through a fat section for a one-foot Rio at the end, really eye-wateringly hard. It's, um, it's tough. Honestly, I'll just throw it out there. Canelo will win, surely got the form one at two years in a row just go one up on brett simpson maybe not maybe he's bulked up too much for the ct i don't know we'll Possibly. see i suppose i'm glad you brought brett simpson up simpson up then he's among the three surfers i really miss on on tour the other being yaden nickel can we get him on tour notes again well ideally yeah that'd be great Jesus. Yep. And I reckon Kai Otten. Kai Otten, yeah. Just for the humour and entertainment value. <laughs> just just we need more guys like Jeremy Flores like punching themselves in the head when they do something stupid. Like 
his his meltdown and his heat at J-Bay was incredible. I just love the emotion of those guys. <laughs> right. Well, that's why Marzo would be a good wild card. Definitely. Meltdown or glory, <laughs> it's entertaining. All right, let's 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 get serious here for a second. Should we be seeing better scores for shooting the pier? No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, unless you do a chop-up in there. Come on. Length of ride went out 10 years ago. Damn it. All right, well, there goes my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nick, you had a bit of an update on uh, on Slater and his Olympic quest. Yeah, that was one of my talking points. Um, after Huntington is the, the contest in Japan that anyone that wants to be in the Olympics needs to surf in. Uh, I'm not too sure what the numbers cut off on that comp is going to be, but everyone has to, and that means Slater's going to have to. There's been a few little articles I've read in the last week or so saying that he's not that interested. So he's actually now, John's injured. He's, he's the second highest rated US surfer. So it'll be interesting to see if he goes over there. It'll, it'll sort of be, you know, make or break for him if he's going to the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. What's the go with that comp? You have to surf in it. It's like a, a sanctioned event with ISA. ISA, yeah. Yeah. They, they're making anyone that wants to surf in the Olympics surf in that event, whether you qualify or not for the Olympics. So weird. Yeah. So even if Slater comes second on the WSL but didn't surf that comp, they're saying, no, nah, you can't come to the Olympics. And if you do surf the comp, you don't need to get a place. You just need to turn up. Yeah. You just, you just got to turn up apparently like yeah it doesn't look like it has any consequence for the actual olympics it's just you need to surf this event if you want to surf the olympics i'm sure they've got the actual qualification process written down somewhere and we just haven't actually looked at it but i would love it if they made this a little bit simpler to to explain like what a surfer needs to do to make it to the olympics it it might have an impact on guys that aren't on the ct Mm -hmm. for for their nation so you know the smaller nations it, it I would assume it will have a large impact for them. But guys that are on the CT from the large surfing nations, Brazil, US, Australia, it's already been stated that it's coming off those CT rankings. So, yeah, I mean, it makes it really hard if you're someone like Kanoa who's surfing one foot Huntington and then needs to warm up for Chopes Mm. and then got to go surf one foot Japan. Right. Well, Nick, I'll send you there on a um, a sanctioned journalism report to go uh, let us know what's going on over there. Yeah, no worries. I'll be, I'll be back for Chopes. Okay, and moving on to Chopes. Great segue. Uh, that is the, the next event coming up on the Men's World Tour. Um, the ladies get a, a bit of a rest until the Freshwater Pro. Isn't Huntington a CT for them? Nope, not anymore. Not anymore? There Oops. you go. <laughs> I missed that update. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, Tahiti next for the men's. Uh, how good do you think the swell will be two days before the event this year, Nick? Code red. <laughs> Code red. As good as it gets. Or or two days after. It's, a lot, it's one or the other, right? <laughs> that place, it just seems like should have been here yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love Chopes. I, I say this whenever we preview an event. I love <laughs> I love a lot of the waves on tour. Um, Chopes for me is one of the ones I can actually really remember watching when I was younger just because it, it seemed like such a foreign wave for me to surf. And, you know, seeing so many great heats from, from Slater and, and Andy and, I mean, more recently, John John and, and Gabby out there, it, it seems like one of, those one, one of those events that really separates, I mean, you say this a lot, it separates the men from the boys and it starts to create a bit of a, you know, a gap between those guys who are really in the title race and the guys who, like we said, are the guys that are maybe more suited to the QS and those smaller waves. There's definitely a, a few names I've got in my head that I can that I think and and pretty sure will progress quite far in the event. Um, Luke, I mean, who are you picking for for Chopes this year if this swell? Jeremy Flores after his melt will want to come back fired up. I think, especially already having a good result in Bali. Yeah, I'm keen to see Callanan swing under the ledge. Owen, Owen's on a bit of a roll now, and he absolutely loves that shit, swinging deep on scary waves. I'm just praying for waves that we see another code red swell like six or seven years ago when they were 
when Cruzy was on tour. That, that was meant to be my third name for people I wish was still on tour. Was, <laughs> I forgot it actually at the time. So Cruzy, Brett Simpson, and Yaden Nickel. Poor Cruzy. Jeez. At least he was honest with that swell. Fuck. I would, was... I would have faked an injury exactly <laughs> like Philippe. <laughs> <laughs> well, he would have been so happy he faked that knee injury. <laughs> uh, Nick, who you got for this event? Yeah, I'm going to jump on with uh, Owen, Gabby, and Slater. Um, okay. I mean, if there's no waves, Jesus, a shit event to watch. But if it's pumping, Gabby, I, I would like to see like a Gabby Slater final because I reckon it would be similar to the John Slater final a couple of, or semi final a couple of years ago. I just think those two would have the best tussle out, say, 10 foot chopes mm. or eight, eight foot chopes. 10 foot would be better. Yeah, just see him going over the... Slater doesn't have that paddle power anymore. <laughs> um, no, I totally agree with all of your calls there, boys, but we got to only pick one. Luke, who's who's number one? Who are you putting your, your money on? Yeah, I think I'd go with Italo. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even going to go with Italo. I just kind of came in. <laughs> straight over this way mate <laughs> <laughs> holy shit alright Nick who you got oh. <laughs> Gabby <laughs> <laughs> holy shit oh man man <sighs> Gabby can't be beat in this event he's won it too many times now <laughs> and on that note I will pick Ricardo Christie <laughs> no um I'm actually going to choose Owen. Owen. Come with Owen. What about Ace? He's had a bit of form. Like, everyone just brushed him because he's <laughs> not even going to re-qualify. But he's, uh, he's, my, he's my second pick. I've got to pick one. Gabby. Gabby. Okay. So we've got Idolo. <laughs> we've got Gabby. I'm sticking with him now. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, mate. I love Idolo, but not for chokes. <laughs> After that wave at the box, fuck, that guy can do anything. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, one last bit of news, uh, and this one goes under the, the news title, Surf Rage Attacker Found Guilty of Assault at Lennox Head. Uh, this one's actually going on up, up in your territory, Luke. Uh, any idea what's going down? <laughs> no comment. What an idiot. Father of Slater Designs Shaper, right? Dan Thompson. There's actually a really good photo of him walking into court with his inflatable uh, surf mat. He's been found guilty of assault in the ocean. I mean, it's something you don't like to see, but this photo of him walking into court with the inflatable <laughs> surf mat wearing a suit is pretty classic. Yeah, I mean, this day and age, there's just you can't do that sort of stuff. And, and whether they deserve it or not, you can't try and drown someone out. Lennox head no when there's 50 or 60 other surfers in the water like mate everyone's been a dick there's too many guys out there yeah yeah definitely I think that just kind of brings a um just such a negative light to to surfing even though he's he's only riding the surf map but when you surf up that way there are a lot of people and you know it is easy to lose your cool but there's there's no reason to to resort to any sort of violence like that I think it's it's uh it's unacceptable and it doesn't shine a great light on i mean you you see a lot of surf breaks especially northern new south wales and and queensland where it does get quite crowded there are a lot of incidents of surf rage nothing often as serious as this but um that's not why everybody you know surfs and gets in the water right yeah you gotta be a role model i mean uh, he's he's a pretty well-known sort of family and guy as well and I think there's a lot of young kids out there now that are, are looking up to guys and it just sort of goes for everyone that, you know, if you're in the water and there's there's people out there, just keep your cool. Yeah, don't, don't go try and drown people, especially you're riding a surf mat. Like, 
Oh, mate. Yep. Grow up. Uh, any other industry news to add there, Luke? No, not really. Not really. I've got something to tell you off air. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. Can we wrap it up with a bit of Coconut Willy watch? Yeah. Yes. Can, actually. Um, Willy's actually um, taking a bit of time off mid-year as well. He, uh, he didn't come on the, the boys' trip to Europe, but uh, he's still sitting at 243rd on tour. Four heat wins all year. 8.94 average heat score. Looking all right for Willie. Late charge, I can feel it. Yeah. He's, he's a wine, so he should get a couple of wild cards. Good point. It's a good point. Oh, come on, Willie. I'm still rooting for him. He's my pick for chopes as well. <laughs> Give him the wild card. <laughs> all right. I think that should do us for for the highline. I, I hope you've enjoyed uh, us after our, our quick hiatus. Uh, we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks' time with, with more surf news and uh we'll see how luke's prediction went hopefully hopefully well thanks for joining us lukey thank you boys good to speak to you boys and nico thanks mate thank you all right thank you